you can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle, we don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning, download the app, give it a try. Cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy while hosts Heather Wenig and her co-hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Welcome to Cause and Effect. This is that early childhood nerd, Heather Winnig, and joining me today from the Nerd Collective is Laura Spillman. Hi, Hi Laura. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So we're doing this episode in the um, School Readiness series, uh, so expect some ranting probably from both of us, I know from oh. me, <laughs> and some groaning, <laughs> but hopefully too, some good suggestions, some real, some making it real. Yeah. Yeah. So our quote for this episode is from Margie Carter and Deb Curtis from the book Reflecting Children's Lives. Welcome. Me too. If I haven't said it on this podcast already, you all need to read everything they've written. Um, one day I had a realization that someday they'll stop writing books. And I was like, oh, God, what will I do? You'll start writing the books. Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, so anyway, the quote is, is it childhood or school readiness that guides your thinking when planning curriculum? Well, I have a very well, short answer to that quote. Okay. <laughs> this will be a real short episode. Problem solved. Let's you go. You know, let me tell you. Yeah. I, I've had many jobs <laughs> in my life, in my career of 30 years now. Um, I wish I could see you right now. Oh, my God. Yeah, I have that look <laughs> on my face. Because this is tough because yeah. I really, truly believe that, that – that teachers are very well-meaning and they want to they want to do the right thing. So let me just yeah. before I go on this topic, mm-hmm. let me just tell you all you teachers out there, I love you so much. <laughs> and I don't think you're doing anything on on purpose. Uh-huh. Okay, so so let me with that being said. Right. We believe that you have children's best interest at heart. We we really really do. So, but, so here's dot, where dot, dot. here's where I have a problem because you know I've been in many many settings. So I, mm-hmm. I've been a teacher. I, I've been a teacher with Head Start. I've been an administrator. I'm an administrator now of a very large program. But you know, for 11 years I worked I worked for state systems. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and again, I'm going to preface this with I really truly believe <laughs> that these people have the best interests of the children. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm so glad you can't see my face right now. <laughs> but this is where we have our biggest problem. Uh-huh. Okay. I got so turned off in the last year with words. Uh, school readiness just makes me yeah. want, it just hurts my stomach. It just Absolutely. hurts my stomach. And I think last year I even wrote you and said, I decided I don't even like the words preschool. Right. Me either. And we can talk about that too. I don't like it. Yeah. And and what, you know what this, this harkens back for me is that we're not recognizing that a child is four. Yes. We're not recognizing that a child is four or a child is five and that they're in this particular state of development. 
stage of development and stage. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, that it's this getting ready for syndrome that we have in our society in general. You know, yep. in preschool, we're getting ready for kindergarten. In grade What's school, next? we're getting What's ready next? for middle What's school. Next? Middle school is high school. Yeah. High school is college. And college is the yeah. real world. And, and then, I, you yeah. know, oh, my God, it just dry. You know, stop the madness. <laughs> just stop it. Right. And childhood is supposed to be this or, or what it's what we we when we have that image of the child and we think about childhood, uh-huh. we think about uh-huh. playing and and creating and imagining and. And all these wonderful things. And then we say, oh, no, 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 wait a minute. We have to have all these, you know, standards and all these things because we want them to make, we want to make sure that they're ready for this. Oh, it just hurts me. Mm-hmm. It hurts me yes. because, you know, I really just want kids to play. And I think as teachers, we can facilitate that play and we can base it on the interests of the child. But then and when still we have, have them all ready these to learn requirements around mm-hmm. it, it just it convolutes the whole process. Right. Well, Ran and one of the <laughs> no, it's not. Don't lie. Your rant's not over. But <laughs> we're just breaking for a minute. Yeah. The what I mean, I have a lot of problems with this, too. And, and I so wholeheartedly agree with you that it's not fair to children to only value what's coming next for them rather than valuing where they are right now and what they need from us right now and what they're good at right now and and how they learn right now. I mean, we, we sometimes ignore all those things in our effort to make sure they're ready for school. And we want them to, I mean, it's not because we're evil. Right. It's because this is the system right. we're in. Right. Um, but part of the problem is who has a definition of school readiness? Uh. There's there's a million of them out there. So how are we supposed to say, yes, we guarantee school readiness? Mm-hmm. Um, because for one person, it's letters, numbers, shapes. For another person, it's social, emotional. For another person, it's tying shoes and wiping your butt. Yep. Um, so there's there's not one there's not one definition that could guide us, even if it was a a, a valid goal. How do we get there right. if we can't even agree on what it right. what it should be? So that's that's part of it for me. But um, and I talked about this a little bit in I did I did a, an episode with Tiffany on this topic too with a different quote. But um, I have seen preschool teachers and and don't forget let's talk about the word preschool. Don't let me forget that okay. part. But I've seen preschool teachers people who have three four and five year olds pretty much sitting at the feet of kindergarten teachers and saying, tell us what you do in your classroom so we can do it too. Right. You know, like um, I, I heard a woman say to a kindergarten teacher, um, we're, we hear you guys don't use, you only use glue sticks. So should we only be using glue sticks? And I think that's, that's backwards. That's letting school readiness guide our planning and not childhood and child development. Right. And, and knowledge of, of what that needs to be guiding our planning for children. Right. So there's no way that we're preparing them for success when we're ignoring their needs and their development. Right. Well, when I went through the, you know, the Itters and the Eckers training and all that stuff many, yeah. many moons ago. Yeah. And, and one of the things, I got many things out of that training, but one, mm-hmm. of, one of the things I got out of that training was understanding 
the need for children to play and how mm-hmm. they should be spending a substantial part of the day in play. Now, me, I think they should be spending all day. All of the day. All of the day <laughs> yeah. in play. Except when they're sleeping. You know, <laughs> you know, I get, you know, lunch and snack yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Now, I will tell you, when I was a four-year-old teacher back in the early 90s, we <laughs> did what we called self-serve snack. Have you heard of this yeah. wonderful thing? Yes, okay. it's sort of it's sort of making a little bit of a comeback. Oh, please tell me it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't understand why people don't do this other than they're like, well, with the food program. Well, I was just going to say, that's, that's the only objection that I can give any thought and to. And that's not even an objection. That's not And it can still be worked program. through. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, because the kids are still being offered and they're still eating. Mm-hmm. So the way that the teacher and I and, and Lori, who I love, I consider her one of my mentors, Awesome elementary school teacher now. Um, she and I would take turns kind of facilitating the snack. So we had a table set up. So we only had to clean one table. The kids were playing. And we would set up in the middle. You know, let's say it's crackers, cheese, and juice. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we did this for breakfast, too. So it wasn't it, – this was every – Every meal except for lunch, okay? And so, okay, so we have the crackers and the cheese and the juice. And so I would set out at five set, five, five chairs, and I would set up the crackers and the, and the cheese and the juice. And I would say, okay, I have snacks set up for five people who would like to join me. And, you know, you'd have your five kids, I'll do, I'll come, I'll come. And so mm-hmm. they come and they sit down and I sit with them. And if they want more, I give them more. And, and, and then they go about their business and then I call for five more. Now you're going <laughs> to have those kids that will wait till the last minute. So as a teacher, I know that Johnny always waits. Poor Johnny. He gets a bad rap all the time. He sure does. But, but so Johnny is really engaged in blocks. So I'm going to walk over to him and say, Johnny, this is the last call for snack. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that you do not want it. Yeah. And he, a lot of times he'll say, no, I don't. I'm fine. Okay. So I go, I clean up the one table, sweep underneath. It doesn't take me as much time as doing it for the whole classroom. And then mm-hmm. guess what? I'm done. Right. I'm done with snack. And all the other right. kids got to play. So now I will tell you that Johnny's going to come up to you about 10 minutes after <laughs> you got done cleaning and he's going to say, and he wants snack. I want snack. And as a teacher, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give him the snack <laughs> because yeah. there's nothing in writing saying I can't give him that snack. Mm-hmm. Now, he may come he may come up later, way later and say I want snack and maybe it's close to lunch and then I can say, you know what? I offered you the snack and you didn't take it. We're yeah. going to have lunch in about 5 minutes. Can you wait? And he'll probably right. say yes and move about his business. So, Right. However, And that's a really a really good example of school readiness guiding rather than childhood yes. because some people will say, but when they get to school, they all have to sit together at the same time and they've only got 20 minutes. And my answer to that is, yep, you're right. Right. So, so why impose that now? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, but I get more pushback when I brought up in the past, the whole self-serve snack, mm-hmm. when I just felt like it was easier it was easier, and then yeah. children got to remain in that active, engaging free play 
that play. Right. And that's childhood. You know what? Yes. So, so that's, that's such a great example of using childhood to guide your, your thinking instead of what you think might happen in two or three years. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. It, Especially when people, you know, when their, their response is, well, in school, they're going to have to sit and they only have 20 minutes and they can't really talk. And they're saying it in a way that's, well, this is a, this is not a good thing, but we've got to get them ready for it. If we think it's not a good thing for them in three years, why do we want to try it now? That's, that's not fair. <laughs> if we want to go back to a previous well, conversation. And, and it also, this does go back to our previous conversation mm-hmm. about treating children fairly doesn't mean that we mm-hmm. treat them all the same. Mm-hmm. Not every child can, we know this, you know, mm-hmm. we all know that not every child can sit for that long and we mm-hmm. can, and expect them to be able to sit for 15 minutes while you read a story. Right. And, and then this speaks to those small groups that children do do better in small groups. I had more engaging conversations as a teacher when we did self-serve snack than I did at lunch when it was the big group. Because at lunch, I'm trying to facilitate and help 20 kids get ready and and prepare for lunch and sit with lunch. And then I've got to pass out seconds and all that. And five are done before everybody else. And, and, and if I'm doing anecdotals or observations, we did the same thing in my Head Start classroom. I, I ended up doing that in the Head Start classroom when I had threes, fours, and fives. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get more anecdotal and documentation for my portfolios in those smaller groups than I could having these large groups. Right. And that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. So, you know, I'm, I just finished reading a book um, called Boys by Dan Hodgins, uh-huh. uh, which I highly recommend. You have to buy it from his website. It's digital. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, so this book is his his own little research on looking at why are so many boys getting in trouble and why are so many boys getting kicked out of child care programs. Uh-huh. And, um, and he made two really good points that I think fit this conversation. So one is many times boys are 12 to 18 months behind, and I don't mean behind in a negative way, um, developmentally than their girl peers. Uh Um, So that's a really wide developmental range to try try and fit into one school readiness mold. Um, And also, boys have frequent testosterone spikes throughout the day that basically force them to get up and move. So if we're, I know, I was like, oh my God, that's so interesting and good to know. Um, if we're trying to prepare them for something and we we think, well, they need to sit still in a year, so I need them to sit still today, even though their bodies are saying, you can't sit still right now, that is not, it's just not right. <laughs> you know, we have to understand childhood and child development, and we can't let outside pressures change what we're doing and they're they're big outside pressures yeah oh absolutely yeah they're really big yeah but we and that's why i think as early educators early childhood educators caregivers we need to take this conversation back mm-hmm. we need to say we're going to decide what school readiness means and how we get there because it's going to mean different things school year to school year too mm-hmm. based on because the you've kind, got different children based on the kind of classroom that you have 
Mm -hmm. Uh, We did mixed age groupings at at Head Start when I um, became a lead teacher when I well, it was right before I moved to Colorado, and then when I came back, I I, I kind of I went back into the same same uh, place. But I loved those mixed age groups, the threes, fours, yeah. and fives. It was it was a great, great, great experience, and I highly recommend that people think about trying that. And yeah. and I the the feeling is, well, I is think... that that's harder, mm-hmm. but really it's not. Right. It's harder if you're in a school readiness slash training mindset. Yes. But if you're in a understanding childhood and, and development play. and play mm-hmm. mindset, it's not harder. Right. And honestly, if you've got a whole room of just four-year-olds, mm-hmm. the developmental range is still it's, such mm-hmm. that you need to individualize. Right, right. The, the practice should not be different. The uh, one thing I tell families as they're walking through uh, our facility is I said our curriculum understands the child's natural ability to play or natural need mm-hmm. to play. Mm-hmm. And and I always kind of get those looks like, oh, you know, okay. And then, <laughs> and then I go into what our curriculum does and how we tie everything to the foundations and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and that, that, and I think it's, it's also educating our families too, because they yeah. want to see, you know, their child in this more traditional school setting too. Right. And, right. We, we get annoyed. Yeah. Like I, I always have a really negative reaction to the question, are you just a daycare or do you teach things? Yeah. Um, and we get annoyed with these families, but we shouldn't because how, how would they know what else to ask right. for? They they want what's best for their child, mm-hmm. and they're asking the question that they think gets them there. Mm-hmm. So we have a responsibility. We do to help them see the value of play. It makes me wonder about people and their choices of names for their facilities. Yeah, um, yeah. I think a lot of people are moving away from like the word daycare and moving right. to childcare, or I, I like having child development put in there or child enrichment. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it goes back to that whole, like, I don't like the word preschool kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. We were going to come back to that. Let's do that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so talk about why you well, don't like it. I don't word. like it because they aren't preschoolers. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that understanding of where they are developmentally. They're young children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it used to make sense to me that we use the word preschool yeah, because I was thinking in terms of the, the chronological age. Yeah. You know, this is before they go to school. But what it really does is reinforce that idea that we're just getting them ready for the next thing. Exactly. Um, and, and discount, we, we almost in our own language discount what we're doing Yeah. by saying we're getting them ready for the next thing instead of talking, you know, like child development. That's in our agency name, and I love that. Yeah, I do too. Because, because that's that's more what we should be calling attention to, that we understand child development, and we're doing what they need right now from us, and that will get them ready for the next thing. Mm-hmm. Because we're but meeting we're them gonna... at the stage of development that they're in right, right now, not where right. they're going to be in two years or next year. Yeah, or what we think they should or, be yeah, doing our, right now. Right, our, our mm-hmm. misconception about what we think right. they should be doing. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, even, and, and this is a whole other rant, you know, even our kindergarten <laughs> programs aren't that appropriate. Right. Because they're, they're so, but they're at a way a higher, 
again, that's a whole nother rant. Right. And I understand the pressure that kindergarten yes, teachers are under. Yes. And I understand why our kindergartens look that way. But then there's part of me that says, why would I promise to get a child ready for bad experiences? Yeah. And I, I'm lucky that I know so many excellent, excellent kindergarten teachers. And yeah. I will tell you They're out. that those kindergarten they don't like teachers it either. came from an early childhood background. The kindergarten right. teachers and the elementary school teachers that, that are in my professional circle that I know, they were excellent early childhood people. Childhood, yeah. And, you know, I think of two right off the top of my head. Uh-huh. And my hat's off to them because they and, – and this is where when we think about the um, their experience in higher ed – Mm-hmm. When they're getting those elementary degrees, do they talk about child development, you know, birth no. to age eight? <laughs> and I, I taught no. the child development class, and yeah. I spent probably way more time than I should have on those early years up to age five, because we know that early childhood is actually birth to age eight. Right. But they don't see it that way. A lot of times it's it's birth to age five. Right. So... So these program the you know in the when they get into elementary school, um, it it it's it's it gets challenging and I understand mm-hmm. that. But like I said, the teachers that I know professionally that are in the public schools now were excellent early childhood folks, and that's because they know and understand the full realm of development. Nothing's going to change right. in this conversation until we start speaking up and advocating, right. and that includes those elementary school teachers who don't like the pressures they're under and don't and know that what's expected of them maybe isn't what's best for children or how they learn best because right now we're allowing other people to set those standards for us. Right. And I, you know, I just found out not too long ago reading um, uh, a mandate for playful learning, presenting the evidence Uh um, that there were no early childhood slash child development experts invited to the process of developing the common core. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. And that pissed me yeah. off. <laughs> so we got to get, we got to get to the table and that starts in our classrooms. That starts with teachers who buy in and believe it mm-hmm. and then are able to articulate it yeah. without being defensive. Just say, here's what's, here's the learning that's happening. And then the families catch on, and it's a ripple effect. I really uh, want one of the things as president of our local chapter that I'm really trying to do is get more opportunities for networking and have yeah. conversations. We just don't have time to sit down and talk about the stuff that – and this is why I love these podcasts because I can yeah. talk about – um, all kinds of things that I'm passionate about, which I don't get an opportunity to do very often because uh-huh. you know, we're busy. And yeah. I want one of, one of my um, agenda items, I, I hate saying that, but it, it's true. <laughs> like one of the reasons why yeah. I wanted to become president was so that we could have, you know, other than those conferences, because I think conferences are wonderful mm. and I, I love the workshops and but it's once a but year. It's once a year. We're lucky in this community to have two big early childhood conferences. We're so lucky. Yeah. Um, you know, the IAYC conference is awesome. So we're we're super lucky that we have these opportunities. But how do they keep the conversation going? So it's that whole right. it's that whole thing, that whole story about like the ducks who learn to fly. Have you heard this one? Yeah. Have you heard the ones, the ducks that learn to fly at a conference? Uh, well tell us. Oh, this is great. <laughs> so uh these 
these ducks who didn't know how to fly um, went to this conference and it was <laughs> over a weekend and the first day they just had conversations about flying and how exciting it was and, and, and they were having trouble with the concept and and so um, the next day they spent the day in, in, in workshops and breakout sessions about different ways to fly and tricks you can do and all this and, and on Sunday they were all flying. They were flying around the room and, and showing everybody their tricks. They were so excited. And then at the end of the conference, guess what they did? They all walked out the door. <laughs> okay, so let's let's take a, a conference. Let's take take that analogy. We go to uh-huh. these conferences. We get really excited. We get really fired up. And this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to go back on Monday. And I'm going to try this. And I'm going to do it. And they go back on Monday and it's like, oh, well, forget it. I'm too busy. I can't right. do it. And so we would just walk right out the door. Uh-huh. I want to keep those conversations going. Yeah. Whether that is through Facebook groups or, you know, one thing that I'm proposing is is kind of doing like a teacher cafe, like every other month, yeah, getting together, you know, roundtable discussions. Like, I don't want to facilitate a conversation. I just want to throw out a topic very similar to what we're doing. And uh-huh. say go, and let's just yep. write down some stuff. And let's and I, my expectation is not that you're going to walk out a changed person. You know, I, I get no miracles are going to happen here, <laughs> but we at least have planted a seed. Yeah. Because these things take time. Yeah. Well, and you know, I just went in August. I don't know when this podcast will air, so I'll say in August I went to um, the Uncon. Yeah, which I'm going conference. to, by the way. Oh, you should. So amazing. Yes, yes. Um, So Jeff Johnson and Lisa Murphy put this together and um, it was really small this year. There were only 12 or 13 of us and it was pretty much just great early childhood, playful learning conversation pretty much constantly. Uh And um, it was what my soul needed. Mm -hmm. And then I'm back in my living room on Sunday night in the same old recliner that I sit in every Sunday night. Yeah. And I, I was like, I can't just let that go. I can't just leave that in in Clearwater Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so what can I do? So I'm kind of kind of the same kind of thing you're talking about. I've started this um, a Facebook page called Playful Learning Lafayette, and opened it not just to people who work in early childhood, but to parents and community members, anybody who thinks that um, you know we believe in the power of play and the value of play and children's right to play. Um, and we want to push back a little against this um, sort of inappropriate policy stuff that that moves us away from play. And that's what we're doing Tuesday night. I've got a uh, a pub night for the playful learning group, Fun. and we'll just see who shows up. And the first thing we're going to do is just talk about what do, what do you think play means, yeah. and then you know maybe we'll do some reminiscing about how we played as children, like you and I did on that episode, yeah. and. Um, and it's just connecting and keeping the conversation going, just like you talked about. So I think that teacher cafe sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope it works out. We're going to start the first one in December. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. four people might come, 15 people might come. I don't know. Yeah. But I think it's a, just a way to, you know, teachers just want to talk to each other. They just want to yeah. talk to each other. And yeah. um, so I want to provide that opportunity in a space yeah. that, and for some people, free flowing. That's yeah. Some people that's face to face, and for some people that's social media. Yeah. How that happens. So I'm going to put you on the spot for a minute. Okay. Are you comfortable giving out like an email address or something if anyone wants to contact you oh, and sure. find out yeah, your you teacher can, cafe is going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my email address is um, l 
Lucas Parker, so L-L-U-K-E-N-S-P-A-R-K-E-R at gmail.com. So that is the email that I use for all of my um, EAECA stuff. But if you have questions about anything we're talking about, feel free to yeah. shoot me an email. Yeah, or, you know, comment on the on the Upstairs Studio Facebook page on this yeah. podcast thread. We'd, we'd love to hear if you've got things like this that are going well or if you've got ideas or things that have been successful in pushing back against the school readiness pressure. I think we'd both love to hear Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yep. Um, or questions about how either of the things we just talked about, the teacher cafe or the playful learning Lafayette, how those things are going. Um, so we can get the conversation going even further. Yeah. Yay. Yay. All right. Last thoughts, Laura, what else do you think about childhood versus school readiness for planning? If I had, one, <laughs> if, if I had like one thing to say to teachers, caregivers, whether you're a family child care provider, infant toddler caregiver, you know, pre-K, pre-school teacher, whatever, <laughs> is I just would encourage you to just be yourself because that's uh-huh. what we want for the, for the, for our children that we serve. And, you know, to stop playing teacher, you know, when we've talked <laughs> yes. about this, yeah, um, you can absolutely be yourself and be an amazing, amazing teacher. Um, and, and, and that's, that, that's really kind of my final thought mm-hmm. is that, um, just be yourself. If you like doing it as a kid, your kids are probably going to like it too. Yeah. And and, and, to... and if you're so tied to um, all those <laughs> foundational standards and all that, think about that. Think about what mm-hmm. you like to do as a kid and then open up that foundations book and look it up. I guarantee yeah. it's in there. It's in there. It's in there. Yeah. You know, so that's what I would encourage you to do. Uh-huh. So awesome. that's what I have to say. Um, yeah, so we need to last this is my last thought and this is really just directed to you, Laura. We we need to figure out how to make that being your authentic teaching self presentation that we did into a podcast. Oh yeah. Let's think about yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well thanks Laura. This was super fun. All right. Thank and you. And thanks everyone fun. for <laughs> listening to another episode of Cause and Effect. Bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production.